Hello and welcome to the Tech Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Max Portillaro. Today I'm joined by my usual co-host and partner in crime, Ariane Timmerman. Hello, Ariane. Hello. Uh, hello, Ariane. And we are joined as well by Barbara Murphy, uh, VP of Marketing at Weka.io. Hello, Barbara. Good morning, Max. Hello. Good to have you on the on the podcast. So, Barbara, could you introduce your, uh, yourself and, and tell us a bit about Weka.io, what you are doing, and uh, talk a bit about the product as an introduction? Thank you. Uh, again, my name is Barbara Murphy. I'm the Vice President of Marketing here at Weka.io. I've been with the company going on three years. Um, so a little bit about Weka.io. Weka.io has built the world's fastest file system for really well suited for AI and technical computing. And uh, we launched the company about a year and a half ago. Um, we have a lot of customer engagement already for such a young company and a really in hyper growth mode, particularly around solving the challenges in the AI and machine learning space. Thank you, Barbara. So uh, when you say that you, you have a file system, um, can you tell us a bit more about kind of the architecture? Is that uh, software based or are you uh, using appliances uh, and maybe explain a bit the kind of the uh, inner working of your file system? So that's a great question. Um, the company has built um, a software. So that's what we make, uh, storage software. And um, it is a high performance parallel file system that has been written from the ground up to run on new technologies like um, high performance fabrics, um, 100 gigabit ethernet or InfiniBand, as well as running on uh, modern media such as uh, NVMe based uh, drives. So we've put all this together in a software component that looks for these in the underlying hardware. But from a hardware perspective, we run on any standard uh, commodity servers, x86-based servers that you would get from any of the great vendors like uh, partners HPE or Dell or Supermicro. Um, and the other great thing, because we're software only, that same piece of software is also cloud native. So you can go to the Amazon marketplace and find Weka.io as your HPC platform for your uh, demanding workloads. And the same piece of software that you're using on-prem, um, you can also use um, in the cloud. So there's absolute um, uh, seamlessness between the two, uh, two different platforms. Okay, um, question uh, on, the, on the file system. Are, are you um, presenting your file system as NFS or do you have any uh, uh, compatibility with uh, object storage as well? Uh, that's a great question. So from a software perspective, we really built this to try and address a multi-protocol environment. So we are a parallel file system and we present um, it, with our best performing, we present what effectively looks like a local file system to your um, application clients. So in that case, uh, we're a full POSIX file system, uh, which requires you know, installing our own uh, small shim of software. Uh, but that gives you very, very high performance through all the way through to the physical media. That said, though, we also support the uh, traditional protocols like NFS and SMB. And you can also um, attach to our software via um, S3 connectors. That's on the front end from the client to the actual software. But we have this very internal, uh, interesting internal feature in the product, which is the ability to tier internally from that flash tier to disk. So you get maximum scalability and also much better cost dynamics with a hybrid model. 
Okay, so t talking about um, about Flash, I think you, you mentioned at the very beginning um, NVMe, and you also mentioned that uh, uh, some of your uh, major use cases are around AI. Is it uh, are are your um, uh, talking about a bit about your customers and the use cases? Are you seeing uh, adoption mainly in AI, or are you seeing uh, other use cases where the customers, for example, may uh, first adopt, let's say, Weka IO? and expand that into, let's say, use cases which have a, a less stringent performance requirements? So uh, that's a great question. Well, actually, uh, this is how we've seen happen in several in, uh, of our AI customers, in specifically around doing machine learning for autonomous vehicle driving. Um, so we've had one customer who started with a dedicated cluster only providing the high performance to that um, actual uh, GPU cluster, which actually have a very demanding I.O. requirements. Um, and within about three months of the system going in, um, some of the EDA team doing engineering design said, hey, you know, that machine over there is running pretty fast. Is it okay if I borrow some, some uh, cycle time? So now we've expanded in that one uh, customer from, e from um, autonomous vehicle into EDA, uh, and most recently, we had uh, the engineering team start using it for their directory services as well. So we see that very commonly that, you know, what actually gets us inside the door and has great performance because it has the scalability and also the multifunction that you want for a more general enterprise. It actually works really well for that um, for that expansion. That said, in the actual performance space, though, we have many, there are many, many other verticals that are really feeling the performance um, gap between, uh, I would say, traditional shared storage and what we can provide. And we see that in the genomic space, also in financial modeling, and in things like um, people trying to do very high performance rendering for um, media. Okay, thank you. Um, question from my side. Is this a all flesh system? So you're doing software, I understand that, but um, how would your customers um, get these kinds of performance um, on their things that they're doing in their data centers? Is it something where that's only um, NVMe or is that something where we can use um, um, tiering or how 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 is that working oh that's a great question um frankly i you know i often hear from um particularly people who are all flash vendors that you know the data center is going all flash well the reality is the cost structure of flash from both the um uh, supply side but also you know the street side um, really makes it impractical and impossible to ever have an all flash data center i do believe though that we're going to have an all flash primary tier in our data center and that's effectively how we've built the product now it when we say it runs an nvme nvme will always give you the highest performance because obviously you have uh, the very low latency uh, protocol. But that said, we also run on more traditional SaaS and SATA SSD-based technologies as well. So you don't have to be in the most costly platform for Flash. Um, we can also handle, like as I said, SATA. But the way that, that we provide the real scalability and the better cost structure is by internally um, tiering from the hot tier, which is Flash-based, to a, a cool tier running on object storage 
And then you get a very nice ratio of both cost and scalability because object stores obviously can scale to exascale and we get the benefit of that capacity scaling. Um, but you also get, as I said, the, the performance coming from your flash tier. And typically when we see in production, customers like about a 10% ratio. So 10% on flash and then 90% would be on an object store uh, behind us. Um, and as I say, that has a huge benefit in terms of cost and scalability. So I was about to, to ask a different question, but uh, you kind of got me with the object store thing. So um, when you said that you have a, a kind of object store in the background, is that something which is kind of natively built into uh, into Weka IO? And is that something where you kind of have native capabilities, for example, to replicate the data on the cloud? Um, so uh, two things. So first of all, the S3 connector to the object store is obviously part of the file system. But from the object store perspective, we don't actually write an underlying object store for that disk layer. We leverage um, the uh, existing object stores that that uh, are out there because, frankly, it's a solved problem. You've got uh, you know great companies like AWS or Google or uh, in the cloud and then you know on premises you have uh, you know object stores from people like western digital or scality or cloudian these are great commercial products um, so we just leverage the underlying object store and and we don't care where that s3 bucket is so to your point it you're you could be tiering from that um, on-premises flash tier directly to the AWS cloud um, and our your data will be completely preserved still in this in the namespace or that S3 tier could be on-premises uh, and the bottom line is you know we don't really um, we try to stay neutral and agnostic to that low-cost tier and let you decide where you want to put your data. Okay thank you thank you very much for that. So um, Another point on uh, what you talked about about scalability and uh, and performance. Um, can you can you elaborate a bit more on that? How do I scale uh, uh, the, the the file system? Do I just add nodes with extra storage? And uh, there are, uh, is is kind of the how to say that um, is the um, kind of scalability and performance increase predictable somehow based on how I configure my nodes? Oh, that's a great question. We actually have. Um... A, a, the because it's software and we have the ability to to really uh, disconnect the performance tier from the capacity tier because you can decide how much performance and capacity based on what servers you present to us versus when you buy an appliance you buy a pre-dedicated amount of performance and capacity and there's no way to change it um, so the way we scale performance is by adding more compute infrastructure and you can do that by um, having a, a one server, for example, if you add more cores in that server, you'll actually naturally get more performance. But as you scale out the servers, um, the more servers you add, the more performance you add. And so it's a very uh, easily scalable and is extremely linear. We have some great um, uh, blogs and stuff on our website that actually talk to our scalability. And then in terms of the actual um, scaling out piece, on your capacity tier, you can continue to add flash to the um, to those um, nodes as you scale out, or you can scale through adding more object storage bucket. So you have multiple ways to, to uh, deal with the capacity side. And as I say, scalability is really driven by adding more nodes, and then you'll see wonderful linear scaling with that. Okay, thank you um, for that. Um, another question, would be how your file system 
relates to um, things like GPFS and BGFS and, and, and that kind of file systems? Is it the same? Is it something completely different? Is it um, comparable to each other? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So uh, GPFS um, is a great parallel file system. It was built um, at, uh, over 20 years ago. Um, and actually was built as a as it was the first um, you know attempt to really uh, try and solve the problems you have with traditional NAS infrastructures that don't scale. And so one of the things they did was they separated out the data path from the metadata path and said, this is the problem in traditional NAS. So the architectures of the original parallel file systems had the concept of you know independent metadata services and data services. And actually that worked really, really well in the days when we had spinning media, which was really slow, um, and you had uh, data uh, paths that they were writing, which tend to have very large files. So a lot of it was for government and military um, simulations. The problem we have with today's model is the parallel, um, you still need the parallelism, they proved that worked, but you have to have um, much, much higher metadata services because of all of the millions of tiny files you deal with things like um, IoT devices and all kinds of other stuff. What that did with the traditional architectures, is it's put a huge burden on the metadata services. So what we've done at WECA.io is rewritten a parallel file system, but now we distribute the data and metadata equally across the entire um, infrastructure. So every time you scale out your uh, metadata services, you're scaling out data services with it. And so we get this really nice balanced, um, never hotspotted uh, metadata services with data. And as a result of that, that's where we're seeing huge performance differences. If you go to something like the IO500, which is um, an online site that measures high-performance computing systems, you can see that we're in number one position um, against um, IBM GPFS. Okay, thanks for that answer. Um, and how do you keep ahead of the curve um, on that then? Because GPFS, like you said, was one of the forces to reckon with um, 20 years ago and it, it, it still does its thing but um, then you come along and 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 um, build something completely new um, how what does WECIO do to stay ahead of all the competition so uh, we we think that um, we're the only uh, parallel file system that has been built in a very long time. Um, you mentioned several, I think you mentioned uh, Luster and potentially BGFS as well, and all those parallel file systems, um, one was known as Fraunhofer and, and Luster, have been around a very long time and were fundamentally built to run on disk spinning media. And I believe they're always going to have a performance challenge in being able to take advantage of uh, native NVMe because you have to rewrite the file system to do that. So we always think that's going to give us an advantage, but that's not enough. Um, in terms of our building of the product, we've really built it with the enterprise in mind um, because we believe that the first generation parallel file systems were built with, you know, with uh, big uh, national research labs in mind where there were a lot of people to manage them um, and they didn't need a lot of the bells and whistles you, you need in a traditional enterprise environment. So we're very aggressively building in the feature sets that bring this to a full enterprise class uh, product that you would get from any of the, the great vendors. Um, and I think that that's really going to be the differentiator with us because there's going to be a simplicity of ease of use. Um, we're really incredibly simple to use. 
and uh, with that a great feature set and then the performance kicker that uh, you get from being built from scratch to work on flash okay so talking about performance um, i uh, was one of the delegates attending storage field day 18 and uh, you did present some pretty incredible numbers at the time can you tell us a bit more about that Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we make a bold, audacious claim that we're the world's fastest file system. Um, and I swear to God, I've, I must have gone to about four other um, storage company sites in the recent weeks and seen that they're also the world's fastest file system. Um, but what we do very aggressively is performance benchmarking. And we do the public benchmarks and we put it out there so people can see it. So we did the SPEC um, uh, 2014 uh, benchmarks. Um, they're available on the spec.org site, and we, you know, achieved number one position uh, across the gambit of the um, of all of the uh, benchmarks um, with uh, with showing latencies. And it wasn't just the, how we performed, um, but we also showed latencies that were, you know, orders of magnitude better than anybody else. Um, I have to say, our friends at NetApp um, did one up us, and I have to give them credit. Um, for uh, having in the background a, a new one ready to um, to submit, so that's done. But the good news is, uh, stay tuned, and you'll you'll see us uh, take back number one position there too. We also have number one position in the I/O five hundred, which is a leading high performance compute benchmark, and we have that actually by a long distance um, from you know the other vendors. So uh, we like our benchmarking, and uh, we think that that's how we keep our, our, as I say, our bold, audacious claim. OK, um, there's going to be probably one last question to build on that. It's around uh, benchmarking. Um, is there, uh, since you're, you're very focused on running benchmark, is there something where you see, uh, let's say, in the, in the benchmarking, some kind of, you know, uh, I wouldn't say dishonest practices, but uh, um, What's your what's your kind of take on that? Because uh, sometimes I, I, look, I look at benchmarks. Uh, you know, in, in some of the cases, they're using uh, kind of uh, very uh, very quick and easy ways to to achieve max IOPS. So, is there um, are you adhering to some specific standards, for example? So you know, you bring up a great question. The the problem with benchmarks, and it is it is always great to be in number one position. But you can be in number one position if you throw enough equipment at anything. Um, you know, that's just a given. Um, so one of the things that, that you know, I feel strongly about and I'd love to see in the benchmarks is a benchmark that talks about your performance, uh, your cost performance, so that, you know, we can always do a fair uh, representation to, to, you know, to the users of this information. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's one thing that we definitely see is that, you know, we're running on just very standard, you know, x86 servers from Supermicro, for example, in the spec. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, doing a cost benefit analysis would be something that would really be great if, if we could get that too. Um, I'm all for it. That's fantastic. So I'm going to hand over to Ariane because uh, I, I kind of love the storage topics that I tend to monopolize too much the, uh, the attention here. So sorry for that, Ariane. <laughs> no, no problem. You go. Um, no, but um, um, for me, there's a couple of things that I think are important to our listeners as well, and we should ask them. Uh, so first one would be, um, how about your partners, uh, partners who sell your products, but also partners um, that provide you with 
um, hardware or things that you need to um, deliver that what you do best to your customers. Um, and related to that, um, how does a customer consume your products and, and what's the licensing behind it? Um, so great. Uh, we have uh, hardware partnerships already in place with uh, HPE and uh, Supermicro. Um, we're, we, we, are, uh, we have reference architectures with Dell um, and we're working on more of the OEM vendors out there. So, so we plan to have you know, some form of easily consumable hardware uh, uh, solution um, through all the OEMs. But we actually, the thing that's really important though is we leverage the reseller channel very strongly to get to the customer. Because if you think about it, we're a piece of software, a lot like VMware. Um, and it has to be consumed in a in a total package. So we work very closely both in the US and in Europe with uh, local resellers to actually get the enablement of it. Um, and then in terms of um, you know uh, driving that, that's kind of the primary goal of the company is to really stay very channel friendly and focused. Um, you also asked about the consumption model. Um, it's a consumption model um, annual subscription based on the capacity under management. And we have highly differentiated pricing between the performance tier and then the capacity tier on the um, object store, because really at that point, we're just managing your data set in a namespace versus keeping it part of the um, overall uh, and, and unburdening the cost, I would say. Okay. And um, uh, so on the partner side, um, I, I heard you mentioned a couple of, of hardware vendors. Um, I heard during the talk, uh, you mentioned a couple of the cloud vendors as well. Um, so um, I think AWS is already in place, right? Um, yes. What about other um, cloud vendors where people can leverage the WEC.io solution? So currently um, we have, we have firstly, we have the ability to to actually run our software on all of the cloud, so Azure, uh, Google, or AWS. But the the work you have to really do in any of the cloud vendors is onboarding your customer to that cloud and integrating with the cloud services. And that's actually quite a significant engineering effort. It, it doesn't require doing anything to the file system per se. It just requires creating the templates to make it easy to onboard. So we. We worked very hard on that uh, last year with AWS, and now you have a completely seamless um, integration. So, for example, you can go to Marketplace, um, or, and you can get straight on the AWS cloud, or you can go to something like start.weka.io, and that will take you directly to um, a cloud formation template, everything straight onto Amazon. So that's the work we have to do now with the other cloud vendors, and we are very aggressively driving to have a multi-cloud um, story um, by the end of this year. So right now, um, we don't have that full um, seamlessness on any of the other clouds, but, uh, uh, but that will be coming. Okay, thanks for that answer. Um, Max, do you have any more questions? Uh, Look, I don't think I have any more questions. Maybe one thing just to recapitulate. Uh, you say that uh, you're, as you say, you're software only. So um, how is the integration? Uh, do, you, do we need to uh, uh, to install? Are you installed as a sort of driver uh, on a Linux OS or? Uh... 
Is there anything specific that I need to do to get started? Um, so it's very straightforward. I mean, we run on we run inside an LXC container, and we run we support all the standard um, uh, Linux distributions. So that's all pretty straightforward for us. It's very rarely we have any problems on that, and we have you know automated installation. So it's a very seamless process. I mean, customers will be up and running in a couple of hours um, from when they start. And as I say, you're um, for you know. Uh, we have our start.weka.io that gets you on um, AWS. But um, if you want to learn more about how to use the software, you can go to our website and um, you can actually uh, click on the um, request for a free 30-day uh, license. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I'm out of questions as of now. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed talking with the two of you, and I look forward to doing this again sometime in the near future. Sure, absolutely. Thank you.